I'm so glad he caught that because I was going to nail him. <laughs> well, as dreary as it is outside, you guys came to church this morning. My goodness. It was uh, during worship. I just, it, it felt like I was getting this push behind me. I don't know what's going on in your guys' lives, but I love feeling that stirring in your heart. And so I'm so glad you're ready to come. I mean, I'm really excited because next Sunday is our one-year anniversary of God bringing our families together. <laughs> and it has been an amazing year. If you're just catching at the end of this year, what God has done through this entire time is like night and day. It's the, the transformation and the just the lightness and what God is doing is just so amazing. It's so amazing. It's, it's fantastic to be a part. It is really true. God is good. Yes. He is good all the time, and he doesn't need our help at all, right? We just got to get out of the way. And I mean, it's just it's fantastic. So I hope you're able to come back next week. We have a lot of fun things planned to celebrate that. But this morning, we're finishing up a series that we've been doing since the beginning of the year called Thrive. And I've been saying this throughout the series that one of my greatest joys in life is to lead you spiritually. Because first and foremost, you are a spirit being. You're not a human being who's trying to have these temporary spiritual experiences, but you are a spiritual being, and this is simply a temporary human experience that you are having. And so because of that, when we focus on our spirit, you'll begin to see how it affects the other aspects of our life. And I've been saying this throughout the series that 2017 will be the greatest year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. And so I want to kind of spur on that spiritual side of your life so you can watch and see how that makes a difference in all the other aspects of your life. And so throughout this series, we've been looking at different areas of our life that affect us spiritually. We look at the importance of reading our Bibles and the impact that that has on our spirit. We looked at the importance of praying and the impact that that has on our spirit. We looked at the impact of our families and we looked at how our finances are spiritual and how our relationships are spiritual. Well, I want to bring one more here this morning. I want to talk to you about your health. Hayden was talking about this morning just in terms of his own head, allergies or cold or whatever. And so I want to talk to you about your health because your health is also spiritual. And I think for so many of us, we tend to try to address our health just in natural ways, and we don't really recognize that our health really is spiritual. And I, and I think this is kind of heightened at this time of year because the number one uh, New Year's resolutions that people make all have to do with their health. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to eat better this year. I'm going to exercise more this year. You know, I'm going to lose weight. Um, these are, tend to be the number one New Year's resolutions that people tend to make, which is why I think at this time of year, more than ever, we need to be able to see our health as spiritual. So look at this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. You can follow along on the screen if you want to. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live in the the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Can anybody say, thank God that I'm no longer living that way that I used to? Anybody there? You know, 
That's what he's talking about here. For you have not, for have you not spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. If you're taking notes, I want you to underline that word debauchery. It's a big word that maybe you don't know exactly what it means. That word debauchery means an extreme indulgence in your senses. An extreme indulgence in your senses. In other words, debauchery is when you let your body rule the roost. That's what debauchery means. And listen, folks, that's exactly what will happen when we don't really realize how God created us. Because I don't know if you know this, the reason why it's important for us to talk about health being spiritual is because God created you as a triune being. He's created you as a triune being. So the first part of who you are is that you live in a body. And this is the part of us that we're the most familiar with. This is the part of us that we, we are most aware of because this is the part of us that seems to kind of drag with us and we're just aware of it 24-7. So your body has desires. Your body has these desires to eat. It has desires for sex. It has these desires for sleeping. Your body has all these desires. And really, your body's screaming at you most of the time, wanting what it wants when it wants it. How many you know that's true? Our body screams at us. It wants what it wants when it wants it. And, that's, and so that's our body. The second part of who we are is that we have a soul. You live in a body, but you have a soul. And your soul is your, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And just like your body will put demands on you, your soul will put demands on you as well. Emotional demands, intellectual demands, demands that come from your thought life. That's your soul. And then the third part of who you are is that you are a spirit. You live in a body. You have a soul, but you are a spirit. This is the part of you that no other creation has. You are unique in all of God's creation. You as a man or a woman, God created you as a spirit. This is the part of you that's made in the image of God. Your body's not made in the image of God. You don't look physically like God, but your spirit is the part that's made in the image of God, and it's your spirit that is eternal. It's your spirit that lives forever. And the interesting thing when we start looking at our body, soul, and our spirit is that all three of them want to be in control. You know what I'm talking about. All three of them want to be in charge. And so when your body is in control, it has complete disregard for the other two aspects. It just wants to be in control. So your body doesn't care what God says about you. Your body doesn't care what your emotions are saying or what your thoughts are saying. In fact, some people's bodies are so much in charge. Some people's bodies are so much in control that it destroys your self-esteem. It destroys your sense of self-worth. It destroys your ability to see yourself the way God sees you. Your body is in so much control that that's all you can see is the image that your body portrays. And because your body just wants to be satisfied, your body wants what it wants when it wants it. And then some of you, you're driven by your soul. You're driven by what's going on in your emotions and what's going on in your thoughts. And so you have these thoughts that come in. And because you have these thoughts, it's like, okay, I think, therefore I am. Or I have these emotions that come in. And because all these emotions come in, that I embrace those emotions, and so therefore, because I feel, therefore I am. So we're driven, so many of us are driven by our emotions, we're driven by our thoughts. In other words, how I feel on this particular day, and this particular moment, affects the decisions that I make. 
I'm allowing my soul then to be in charge. But here's the thing I think we need to understand, and that is when your spirit is in charge, that's when you'll actually see effectiveness and success in your life. And the Apostle Paul spends a lot of time talking about this in the book of Romans. We're going to look at part of this in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. It says, For I have the desire to do what is good. In other words, I have this desire to eat better. I have this desire to exercise more. I have this desire to be more productive. I have the desire to be a good guy. But, the Apostle Paul says, I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. How many of you know that to be the case for your life? Have you been there, done that before? That's what he's talking about here. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, look at this, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. If you're taking notes, I want you to underline that last phrase, but it is sin living in me that does it. In other words, the Apostle Paul, he discovers that what was driving his body, what was driving his emotions was his spiritual condition. His spiritual condition was what was affecting his body and what was affecting his emotions. And so the reason why I can't get my body under control, the reason why I can't get my soul, my emotions, my thought under control is because the internal part of me is out of order. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And then he begins to fuss over himself in verse 24. Look at this. He says, what a wretched man I am. In other words, he's saying, I hate myself. I hate the way I'm living. I hate the way that I keep letting anger control me, that my temper gets the best. I, I hate this. I hate that I can't get my life in order. I hate that I overspend. I hate that I overeat. I hate that I keep giving into these addictions. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Listen. If you're struggling this morning with your body, if you're struggling with your body being in charge of your life, if you're struggling with your soul being in charge of your life, let me just tell you something. This message is for you. And look at what he describes as the solution here in verse 25. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I find this kind of an interesting response. I mean, it's obviously appropriate in church. But I find, it, I find it kind of an interesting response because I think for most of us, our response is, well, you just need to go and work out more. You just need to eat less. You just need to go on a diet. You just need to try harder. You just need to get in an accountability group. That, that's what you need to do when these things are out of control. You just need to try harder. And that's, I think that's how most of us tend to respond. But that's not how the Apostle Paul responded. See, he was putting his finger on something that you and I, we need to listen to because he was showing us a secret here. And that is, I need to get my spirit in order first. If you want to have victory over your body, if you want to have victory over your soul, your emotions and your thoughts, then you got to get your spirit in order first. I need to get Jesus first and foremost into my life. But here's the thing. When I don't do that, when I allow my body to be in control, when I allow my body to be in charge, there's a couple of things here that's going to happen. Number one, it's going to destroy me. It destroys me. And let me just speak very directly to you here this morning because you need to know 
that you have an enemy to your life. The devil wants to destroy your life, and he is relentless. He is intent on destroying your life. First and foremost, he doesn't want you to end up in heaven. He wants to keep you separate from God. That's what his objective is, and he is relentless with it. But if he can't keep you out of heaven, you know what he wants to do? He wants to destroy your life. He wants to do everything that he can to destroy your life, to destroy the quality of your life, to destroy the effectiveness of your life, to pollute your life. This is what he wants to do. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for, permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I love that. I will not. I will not be mastered by anything. Here is the resolve. All these things are pressing in on me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Come on, turn to your neighbor. You need to tell your neighbor this. Look at your neighbor in the eyes. Come on, turn, move, look, look, and tell them, I will not be mastered by anything. Okay, there, that, that's better. You're getting it there. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What is mastering you today? What is mastering you today? I mean, is it food that's mastering you? Is it your social media? Is it entertainment that's mastering you? Is it pornography? Is it your emotions that's mastering you? Is it your thoughts that's mastering you? Is it this pursuing right to be right and to have things done your way? What is mastering you today? How many as kids ever played the game King of the Hill? Any of you ever played the game King of the Hill? So, you know, if you didn't play it, the premise is that you find as kids, you find just something that has higher ground, right? You find a little hill and you have all these kids around you. And the idea is that the one who's left standing on top of the hill wins the game. And so, come on here, Alan, if this, this, if this is the hill here, <laughs> so if this is the hill here, the objective for him is to get me off the hill. But how many of you know the kid who would win usually in these games was what? The biggest and the strongest. <laughs> you can go ahead and sit back down there. Alan. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you too much here. <laughs> But it was right, right? When you played the King of the Hill, it's the biggest and the strongest kid that was usually the one left standing on top of that hill. Well, you know what? It's the same way for your life. With your body, soul, and your spirit, whoever is the biggest, whoever is the strongest will win. And listen to me, whoever wins then will determine how you live. So if your body is the biggest and the strongest and it wins then you'll be reduced to just responding to whatever lusts and desires that your body has. If your soul is the biggest and the strongest, then you'll be reduced to living your life just based upon whatever emotions fly through you, whatever thoughts fly through your head, and that's how you'll end up living your life. Whoever is the biggest and the strongest will determine how you live, which is why, folks, we have to be proactive about feeding our spirit. 
This is what this whole series is about. This will be the best year of your life if it's the best year for you spiritually. If you're feeding your spirit, if your spirit is growing, and you need to know from the day you were born, you've been feeding your body. From the day you were born, you've been feeding your soul. And so those two are two big bullies on top of the mountain. And they have a way of pushing you down, pushing your spirit down, what you want. This is what the Apostle Paul says. These are things I want to do, but I keep being bullied by my body and my soul. So these things I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things I don't want to do are the things that I want to do. Your body and your soul are winning because they're the big bullies in your life. That's why we have to be proactive about feeding our spirit. And by the way, let me just say something. One of the most effective ways to practice feeding your spirit and, and really kind of diminishing the strength of your body and soul is fasting and praying. It's one of the most, the best spiritual disciplines that you can do because it's proactive. It's proactive because you say, okay, I'm not going to eat chocolate for the next three days. And the first day goes by and you, you're able to manage, you know, with a little bit of whimpering going on. But by the second day, your dreams are filled with you swimming in chocolate. <laughs> right? Come on. Because your body and soul, the ones who've always told you what to do, I want chocolate and I want chocolate now, you're used to just feeding it. What prayer and fasting is, is I'm intentionally decided, okay, I'm going to say no to my body. For these next three days, I'm going to say no to my body. I know my body wants chocolate, but I'm going to say no. I know my thoughts and my emotions desperately want chocolate, but I'm going to say no, and instead of feeding those, I'm going to feed my spirit. It's the most practical way of starving your flesh, your body and your soul, and feeding it your spirit. Here's the second thing that will happen when your body is in control, and that is it dilutes my witness. It dilutes my witness. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God always intended for you to be an ambassador for him, where your life is like this billboard advertising who God is. This is what he intended all along, because people are watching you. And is your life any different? Is my life any different than everybody else in the world? People are watching us. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 21 says, For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. People are watching you. People are watching your life. And so I want to challenge you. Live your life in such a way that people look at you and they go, How in the world does she do that? How in the world does he live his life that way? I know what's going on in his life, and I know he's going through all this difficulty, but look at, how he's, look at how, he's, how he's walking through that. When we allow our body or our soul to dominate us, it dilutes our witness because we become just like everybody else. When your spirit is stronger, when you're being spirit-led, when you're not you're just running after the cravings of your body, you stand out. You become a light in our world because people just don't do it that way. Most people are running after whatever they want they do. And here's a third thing that will happen when my body is in control, and that is it dishonors God. It dishonors God. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, you see what he's talking about here? He's saying, 
This church building is not holy. This church building, as beautiful as it is, is not God's sanctuary. It's just a building. Notice what he says. He says, because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, he made it possible for the very presence of God to dwell in you. You become his temple. You become his sanctuary. Your body then is what is holy. And isn't it interesting that we come into a church building like this and we're kind of aware. We're kind of aware that I need to maybe act a little differently. I mean, I, I may need to respect and honor and I, can I run in the church? building? You know, there's a, we, we modify our behavior. Isn't that interesting? That's what most of us tend to do, but we're missing the point because this is not holy. It's just a building. This is not where God dwells. He dwells here. And so we should be given as much respect and honor to our body as we tend to do to a church building. I heard one guy talk about this. He was kind of a rather, rather large um, man, and he was, we were talking about this. And in response to this, he said, well, pastor, if I'm, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, well, then I have made this into a mega church. <laughs> I don't know if he really got the point, but <clears throat> your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to learn how to treat our bodies with respect and honor because this is God's dwelling place. Our body is God's dwelling place. Our body is his house. This body, which then is no longer yours, it, it doesn't belong to you. That's why your health is spiritual. First Timothy 4 verse 8 says, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In other words, when you approach your health from a spiritual standpoint, not only does it affect eternity for you, but it affects the right here and the right now. And so here are some questions I think every one of us need to be able to ask ourselves. And that is, number one, am I offering daily? Am I offering daily? Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so am I offering my body to God daily? Am I setting my body aside to God on a daily basis? And notice, Apostle Paul says that when you do it, this is an act of worship. It's as much worship when you do that as what we did here this morning, coming together and singing and, and worshiping God. It's as much an act of worship when you set your body aside. And so this is where it starts for every one of us, that on a daily basis, I recognize that this body is not my own, and I invite and I allow the presence of God, the holiness of God, I honor and respect that in my body, and I do that on a daily basis. I, I recognize this is not mine. I offer my body daily. And here's the second question we need to be able to ask ourselves, and that is, am I withdrawing weekly? Am I withdrawing weekly? Isaiah 58, verse 13 says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
You know, I'm convinced that so much of our physical unhealth that we experience happens as a result of us violating this principle of Sabbath. We run ourselves ragged because we're violating this principle of Sabbath. Listen to me. God created the Sabbath for you. He created the Sabbath for your benefit. It's a gift that God gives us and says, live this way. Make sure you have Sabbath in your life. And Sabbath means where I set aside things that I normally do. I set aside entertainment. I set aside social media. I set aside my busyness. I set aside my work. And I make time to honor God so that we can actually enter into God's rest that he has for us. So could it be that some of the things that are going on in your life is because you're violating this principle of Sabbath? You actually don't have Sabbath in your life. And so here's the third question then we need to be able to ask ourselves is, am I living purposefully? Am I living purposefully? In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. See, I think physical health... It's always easier to achieve if you know the why you're doing something. Did you hear me? Physical health is always easier to obtain if you know the why. You know, if you just feel guilty or condemned or feel like an obligation that you need to change your diet or, you know, you don't like how you look or your weight or even the doctor telling you something. If you're doing it out of that, then we struggle for it to change. And so it's important to know the why behind something in order to have to really be able to do it effectively because a sense of purpose will give you a vision for eating well. A sense of purpose will give you a vision for making sure you take care of your body. A sense of purpose will make sure that you're, you're sleeping well and you're doing it things right. You're taking care of your body. That's what a sense of purpose will do. And a sense of purpose will not only do that, but it will also help you navigate through the most difficult the most challenging, the makes-no-sense type of situations that you might encounter. That's what a sense of purpose does. A sense of purpose helps us see a bigger picture of what's going on so I don't get so consumed by what's right in front of me. It helps me be able to deal with all the, the difficulties and the challenges that may come into our life. Because here's the thing. You know, I have no idea what 2017 will bring for you or for me. I have no idea what physical challenges that you might face here in 2017. I don't know it for myself either. I have no idea what doctor's reports you might get here in this coming year or or what I might get here. I, I have no idea what tomorrow may hold for you or for me. But you know what I do know? I know who holds tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will bring but you can know who holds tomorrow. And when you have this revelation that you're not a human being who's trying to have these kind of temporary spiritual experiences on a a Sunday morning, but you realize that you're a spiritual being, and this is just simply a temporary human experience that you're having, when you have that revelation, 
it will give you purpose. It will see your life from a different perspective, realizing this life goes by this fast. So no matter what difficulty, no matter what challenge, no matter what obstacle that you might face here in 2017, you have purpose. It gives you a, a bigger thing that keeps you steady no matter what happens in front of you, even in the most difficult situations that you might face. How many of you have ever heard this, um, the old hymn, It Is Well? Have you heard that before, the, the old hymn? It was written by a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford. And in the late 1800s, Horatio Spafford and his wife, Anna, and their five children, they lived in Chicago. And uh, he, was, he was actually a very wealthy man. He had all these, these um, business developments all over the city and all over the area around Lake Michigan. But in 1871, the great fire of Chicago actually burned and destroyed all of what he owned. A couple of years later, his only son, who was only four years old, died of scarlet fever. And so put yourself in that position there. You've lost everything. You've lost your livelihood. You've lost everything that you, as, especially as a man, we get our sense of identity from our work. It, was all, it all burned. And then his only son died of scarlet fever. So trying to bring rest to his family, which was des- they were in desperate need with dealing with all these tragedies, they booked a ship ride over to Europe to as a vacation to go back to family and to just rest and relax and to try to regroup and, and find God in the midst of all these different tragedies. But at the last minute, Horatio had to stay back and do some work that he got brought back into. And so he went ahead and let his wife and his four daughters go ahead of him, and he would catch up later. But unfortunately, tragically, en route on that ship, a British iron ship crashed into their ship, and within 12 minutes, the ship sunk, including everybody in it, including his four daughters. His four daughters died in that shipwreck. Only Anna, his wife, survived. When Horatio got that message, he hurried to get on the next ship to travel to Europe himself to be with her. And when he was on that ship, he asked the captain to let him know when they passed over the area that the ship where his four daughters had drowned, where that was. And when the captain said, this is the place, he went down to his cabin and he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Can you imagine? Losing everything, everything. As a dad, I can't imagine. I can't imagine 
losing all my kids. I just, I can't imagine what that is. The tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy that they experienced. But the interesting thing about his story is that that's not the end. Because with God's help, Horatio and Anna picked up the broken parts of their lives and they actually started the Spafford's Children Center there in Chicago that still cares for more than 30,000 children each year. Even in loss. Even when things don't make sense. God redeems. Why don't you just close your eyes here if you would, please. You know, 2017 have already brought you a lot of challenges. You may already have received some difficult news. You may have already be facing some major giants in your life. And your emotions may be pinging all over the place. Your thoughts may be racing out of control. The loss and appetite of your body may be trying to master you, but here in this moment, I believe that God is wanting to put purpose in your heart to lift your eyes above what it is that you're facing, to put your spirit on top of that hill, to stir faith in your heart, and for you to let go of all the emotions and all of your overwhelming thoughts and to put your hope and trust in God. I've asked my friend Kelsey here to just minister over us here this morning. And so as she sings, I want you just to allow this to soak over you, whatever you're going through. To allow it just to sink over you. That just as Horatio did, just as the psalmist would, would say, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put my hope Put my trust in you, oh God, for it is well. It is well with my soul. Let these words just minister over you.
faith declaration here this morning. Even here at the beginning of 2017 and not fully knowing what this year holds and, and even the things that we do know and the things we already know that we're facing. It's our faith declaration. Even as we started here this morning declaring that you're greater. You're greater than everything that we face. And so, Father, I pray that you would stir our spirits up here this morning. That, Father, that we would have a bigger perspective of the things that we experience and encounter today and, Father, for the rest of this year. That, God, we would be able to declare and proclaim it is well. Not because we're strong in and of ourselves, but because you are, God. You are great. And we just grab a hold of you here this morning. Father, I pray, God, that this would be a year where our spirits would soar, that our spirits would grow strong, that we would not be people who's ruled and controlled by our bodies or our soul or by what happens around us with the economy or the government or world events. That, God, we would not be swayed by those things, but we would be anchored because of you. You're the one who holds tomorrow. And so because of that, we can have faith. We can have hope. And, God, today we put our trust and our faith in you. We'll have people up here front. They're here to pray with you. If you have things that are going in your life, let me just beg you. Do not try to do this by yourself. There will be people up front here that will grab a hold of you, laugh with you, cry with you, hug you, whatever it is that you're going through. Let them come alongside of you. Please make note of that and take use of that even here this morning before you leave. Let me tell you, you are so incredibly loved. And a little emotional, obviously, today, because I am absolutely overwhelmed by what God has done this past year. I'm absolutely overwhelmed by his goodness and how he intervenes in our life suddenly, how he rescues us, how he intervenes in the different situations of our life. I'm telling you, whatever you're facing, put your hope in him, put your faith in him. He's right there with you. He loves you so much. Let me just bless you here as we leave. So may the Lord bless you even more. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you that peace that surpasses all the understanding of what you're going through and what you're facing. Let that peace rule over your life. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week, everybody.